It lies somewhere between the pit of your stomach, your racing heart, and your brain, somehow trying to keep it all together. It's an area we call the adrenaline zone. I'm retired astronaut Dr. Sandra Magnus. And I'm retired Navy fighter pilot Admiral Sandy Winnefeld. We're two adrenaline junkies who love spending time with people who are really passionate about pushing their boundaries as far as possible. I dare you, just try getting down into a squat position and catching a 99 mile per hour fastball. Or a biting slider that's only 90 miles per hour but moves two feet at the last second. That's what Jan Gomes has done for 13 years as a professional baseball catcher, including 10 years in the major leagues. It's a hot, tired, and dirty game, and Jan is one of the best in the game. Including as a world champion with the Washington Nationals in 2019. He now plays for the Chicago Cubs. Many thanks to our sponsor for all of Season 3, Culligan Water. With Culligan's drinking water systems, you get the ultra-filtered water you need to fuel your high-performance lifestyle right on tap. Learn more at Culligan.com. We caught up with Jan just after the 2022 regular season and in the middle of the fall classic. So Jan Gomes, welcome to the Adrenaline Zone. It's really cool to have you on the show, especially as the fall classic is just getting underway. Well, thank you guys. I'm uh, really excited to be here and get to chat with you guys. Awesome. And you know, Jan, we always like to start with how the guests got started and how that led to what they're what you're doing now. And so there are a ton of major league players who began their careers outside the States, especially in Latin America, but it's unusual to find one born in Brazil. So how did you get from there to professional baseball? So I grew up in a household of sports. My uh, my parents were both athletes. My mom was a swimmer. My dad was a tennis coach. Uh, he ran a couple um, tennis programs in Brazil. And it just happened that um, one of the guys that he was giving lessons to was starting a baseball program or had a baseball program in a city we were growing up. And um, one day, um, I think my older brother was nine, I was six. And he's like, hey, uh, why don't you bring your kids out there see, uh, see, see uh, if they enjoy the game? So we, we both took a, a trip out there. The, the first thing I remember, I mean, we played stickball like in our neighborhood, you know, just almost like a cricket. So we kind of had an idea how to swing, but um, did not know which way we were supposed to run. We, we did not know it was a, a turn left diamond <laughs> sort of deal. But uh, I still remember to this day, I would struggle to know which way to run. So I would like hit a ball and like run straight to third base. And then they were like, you know, I was that kid that like, you know, you kind of just want to take videos of the shortcut. <laughs> exactly. You know, they say some people are born on third base, but it sounded like you had to kind of figure out how to get there uh, the regular way. Yeah, I was trying to get straight there. And uh, apparently you have to go through first, second before you get to third. <laughs> go figure. So how did you get to the States? How did you get up here? A short answer is really the American dream. A longer answer, my uh, uncle. So my parents went to school here. My mom went to school at A&M. She swam at Texas A&M. When she went back home, my, uh, her older brother stayed here and wanted to um, start a, a swimming program. They started a uh, special needs swimming program. Oh, wow. And as we were growing up, we would take trips here. And my mom um, uh, was asked to, if she wanted to join my uncle in that program. You know, she was asked, I think, sometime in June. We were up and running in August. Uh, next thing you know, I'm in fifth grade here in the, in the U.S., we moved to Miami at the time. 
You know, when I think of baseball catchers, I think of people like me who, who like sink to the bottom of the pool immediately. Uh, you know, kind of really muscular guys. <laughs> are, are you a good swimmer? Yeah, uh, I grew up swimming. I grew up competing to sell young. Um, I tried every sport. So um, the only sport that maybe I never played in an actual uh, rec set or something like that was a basketball. But I, I love I love sports in general. It's what brings our families together. And um, but yeah, I, I grew up swimming. I grew up playing tennis. Uh, and somehow you combine those two and you get a baseball player. So was it hard adjusting in f- as fifth grader coming into the States or did you have some English already or? That, oh, no, no. Yeah. Um, it, it was uh, it was extremely hard. There was a there was a lot of struggles. I mean, I know now because I have two young kids that teenage years or early teenage years, kids could be kind of mean. You know, they don't understand the things that they're either making fun of each other or which it, it comes with it. I mean, you're you're young and uh, you're just trying to learn where what your role is in this world. And uh, there's a story that I um uh, I actually just like ran away from school one day <laughs> and, they, and I, uh, I just wasn't adjusting very well. And, but then to kind of loop back around my, uh, uh sports brought us all back together. Uh, I had a, a really good friend of mine that we played baseball with and they started noticing that I could play baseball and that's how I adjusted better and started making friends. I would imagine by the time you were, you know, senior in high school, you were probably pretty accomplished baseball player and had kind of built a rep there yeah grow, i mean girl i went to i went to a high school that was mainly all sports again i tried different sports so i was trying to play football i was playing soccer i tried wrestling like i, I we just i just enjoyed being around and staying at school and just trying different sports and uh and it wasn't really until my junior year where i started getting a little bit more of attention i still didn't know anything about the the professional world though did you go to Play baseball in college, or did you go straight into the pros? I play, I went to University of Tennessee. That's actually how I met my wife, and um, really why we uh, why we live here. Very cool. I'll have to tell uh, Peyton Manning, who I'm in conversation with, that I talked to you because he probably knows you as a Tennessee athlete. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> you know, like a, a lot of players, you've played for a number of organizations, right? It's like you move around all over the place in the major leagues. I think it's at least sixteen, like the the Blue Jays, Cleveland. Nationals, athletics, and now the Cubs. How does that life feel? I mean, you can pack up all your stuff and move to another team with another culture. Is it just a natural act or is it like hard every time? It's really hard that first like week. So I was very fortunate. Um, so I, I was drafted by Toronto, played there from 09 to 12. And then I was traded to Cleveland and I was in Cleveland from 2012 to 2018. So I had a, a long time with one team. But I just remember that transition. It was a lot of young guys on the team. So they, you know, we all kind of just uh, just walked into a school together. It was like we were all new with the team. But then I remember, and I took this upon me when I uh, started going to different teams, where how it felt for other guys when they came to the team. You know, we're, we were like uh, little uh, uh, elementary kids. You know, we were all kind of like judging each other and sizing each other up. And if that guy's too comfortable, we're like, oh, no, we don't like this guy. So I try to take little beats and pieces of um, what it meant to join a team and how it was going to be received and just to make sure that they knew like, hey, man, like, I'm just here to win ball games. You know, just let me know what I need to do. And, and then your, your personality can come out when you start feeling guys out. As you got older, did you find and, you know, sort of assumed a leadership role as a veteran? What, what side of that were you on? Was it sort of taking the new kid 
hey, you know, you're in a good team here. We're going to take care of you. Or is it like, hey, dude, you got to prove yourself or a little bit of both? Definitely a little bit of both. Whenever we signed a new guy, um, I had this thing with our tribal secretary or whoever it was at the time uh, to send me their number. You know, I wanted to welcome them all to the team. I felt like whenever somebody did that to me when I went to Cleveland, it felt great. I'm like, man, like I'm accepted here. Like these guys know who I am and they, they want me here. And that's how I wanted them to feel. I, I want guys to feel comfortable. But then when we show up to spring training, that's where we start, you know, getting on each other. Like, hey, this is the culture we're trying to build here. This is how we're, we're going to do things. And, um, you know, you do things the right way. It's going to be a great year. You do things the wrong way. We're going to have to put you in your place. In a good way, not, not in a bad way. <laughs> and the inmates kind of run the asylum to a certain extent in baseball, I think, more than any other sport where, you know, it's not like you're getting pep talks every day from the coaches. Uh, you're kind of supporting each other. Yeah, definitely not anymore. Not, not in the, at the professional level anymore. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about life behind the plate. You know, this is a podcast about people who take risks. And clearly, of all the people on the baseball field, the catcher has the most physical risks because you have 99 mile per hour fastballs, you've got foul tips, you've got bats swinging in your vicinity. So how do you manage all of that? So uh, I actually came up as like a super utility guy. And I just always felt like there could be a whole game where I was, wasn't even a part of the game. Like I'll be hiding out in the in left field or, or hiding out at third base sometimes like it can. <laughs> so Catching to me, it was always like, man, like no matter what, I'm always involved. No matter what, I could show the bruises that I got in today's game. And like, you know, the whole thing, like, you know, chicks, dick scars. I was like, man, I, I, you were there. I, I got, I got, I got them all. So, and I, I've always taken pride in that. I've always taken pride in, uh, I try not to, to show too much pain just because, uh, you know, as a catcher, you know, going with the asking about leadership, we need to be present at all times. And I know there's going to be some times where, you know, you get a foul tip. You know, my thing is like, let's you ever see me take a foul tip before you'll, you know, unless it really, you know, took the wind out of me, I'll be like, hey, let's just keep going. It's going to hurt anyways. You might as well just keep it going. Meanwhile, the umpire's dusting off the plate, trying to give you a couple of minutes to get your stuff together <laughs> and all that. I mean, you guys take some serious hits. Exactly. I'm like, hey, let's just keep going. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, my, my thing is like, just keep going. Like, it's going to hurt. You know, I don't want to sit here and have a trainer come out. I feel like that's uh, one of the more embarrassing things. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Sandra mentioned she was a catcher when she was a young girl. And I, I caught in, you know, little leagues and pony leagues and all that kind of stuff. I was never all that great, but. Yeah, me neither. I just remember how physically demanding it was. So, mm -hmm. and my, you know, 18 year old knees were suffering. Your, your knees must be in, you know, chocolate mess. So, so how about the endurance? You know, according to baseballreference.com, you know, did a little research here. You're catching a pitch about 146 times per game, and that doesn't even include warm-up pitches and all that. I'd have a hard time doing 46 squats, much less, you know, 146. <laughs> and in the middle of the season, you're doing it in really hot and humid weather. Uh, that has to add to the risk. How do you take that, 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 that kind of physical beating, not just the impact of a fastball or something, but just the daily grind? How do you manage that? To me, it kind of goes with just preparation. You know, this is why uh, I start training earlier than, than most people. I, I, I want my body to stay in shape. I never feel good when I take a day off just because uh, my body will stiffen up really quickly. But from a catching standpoint, um, I actually feel more comfortable sitting in a squatter position, which is 
that there, there are times I'll, I'll be, you know, watching my kids play soccer or something like that. And now I, I would just be like sitting in a squatter position and guys are like, what are you doing, man? Like, aren't you tired doing it? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I, I, it's, I, it's my office. I think my body, it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> my body's just, just fits better that way. Um, but I, you know, I take a lot of pride in, in going into a season as healthy as I can or just pre- with the preparation that I put into the off season. And then as you grow as a, as a player and, you know, really no matter what position you play, you can, um, you'll start to, to find those things that get you right. You find those things that, you know, your body, you know, responds well to, um, for me, it's always, you know, the, I, I love, you know, riding bikes or, or you, uh, you know, we got cold tub and stuff like that. And, I enjoy all of that stuff just because it makes my, you know, it helps my body throughout the day. You're passionate about pushing yourself to always be better. Culligan's water experts feel the same. That's why their smart reverse osmosis filtration systems do more than deliver the ultra-refreshing, pure-tasting water you deserve. Their app also lets you set drinking water goals, see water quality information, and get filter change alerts. And with cleaner, safer, great-tasting water available right from the tap, you can also feel good about all those single-use plastic bottles you're saving from landfills. So get started today by scheduling your free water test at Culligan.com. The other physical aspect of being a catcher, of course, is when people are heading to home plate, they're very determined to cross it. (laughs) And and the rules... Uh, have evolved to protect you a little, you know, as a catcher from people sliding into home, but there's still some risk there. And I guess there's some other rule changes that baseball's implemented to to keep you guys safe. What do you think of all how that's all evolving? The rule changes, I've I've never been a, a huge fan of them. I'll be honest with you. I always thought that that was uh, that came with part of the job of uh, you know the collisions and stuff like that. Um, that was always again another notch on your belt. Like, look, man, I took a big hit, and look, man, I'm still in the game, kind of thing. But um, I understand, you know, whenever you're maybe, you know, paying a catcher, because I think it started going when the, the Buster Posey collision happened, you know, you're paying a guy a ton of money and an unfortunate collision happens. Maybe, um, maybe we can figure out a way to avoid it. Um, there are ways that um, the rules have changed that it almost kind of stays the same. Uh, as a catcher, you know, you just got to give them a lane to slide in you know, don't stand in front of it because then they're just going to go straight through you. But um, as catchers, we still play a little bit of a game of blocking the plate. I'm sure that uh, when the shoe was on the other foot and you were, you know, tagging up from third base and heading towards the catcher, there was no slack. It was like, (laughs) I'm coming after you. Just like I know you'd come after me the same way, right? But uh, it's all good. uh, Exactly. So so you also take a little bit of, uh, or a lot of non-physical risk as a catcher, right? I'm sure you're getting plenty of guidance from the dugout, lots of signals and such. But, you know, you really are the real-time game manager, you know, the leader of the infield. Um, You know, what are the kinds of things you're managing out there and how can that, you know, go right for you and go wrong for you you behind the plate? You're not just just a dude sitting there catching fastballs. you got a lot of mental things going on as well. Well, just the the simple things would be, uh, you know, game calling. You have to be, you know, really prepared in, in what pitches to call and what uh, hitters' weaknesses and strength. You got to try to stay away from it. And at the same time, being able to um, have trust in your pitcher that you're calling the right pitches. I've taken, you know, sometimes the role of like trying to like put guys where in positions where I want them to be. You know, you say the, the right or wrong call. You know, I don't think of it that way because I have enough confidence that what I was trying to put down was 
was the best pitch at the right time. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, you know, we're all professionals in this game and uh, we got to tip our caps sometimes. And uh, I don't view it in a way of right and wrong. You know, I'm just trying to, uh, I'm trying to get us through a, through a game as, as quickly as I can. But you still have to deal, I imagine, with experienced pitchers differently than rookies as far as how you're managing the, the, the game, or is that really not a big deal? Or does it change during the season? No, I mean, that, I mean that's a, a great question. Uh, uh, there's different ways of approaching a rookie and, and a veteran. A, a veteran will, will, you know, the conversations that we have, they're more experienced, so they face different guys, and they know that, from the time they face Sandy, like, hey, yeah, sure, his uh, he doesn't hit sliders well, but man, Sandy has taken me deep two or three times on my slider, so let's stay away from that. So you kind of start adding those kind of things into your game plan. It doesn't mean stay away from throwing a certain pitch, but that game planning is a lot different than it is with a rookie. A rookie, it's mainly like, hey, here's what I got. I got a power fastball. I got a power uh, slider and a really good changeup. Like, let's see what happens. and those for me are a lot easier in a sense to guys with no experience because that lets me control the game plan. It's my game played in my head. I enjoy that, uh, that chess match with, with hitters. You know, I'm calling pitches based on something that I'm going to, you know, try to call later, like in the fifth or sixth or seventh inning, you know, their third time around. Um, so I enjoy that. Um, not to say I don't enjoy it with the veterans, but that game plan is, is way more of a, sometimes a shout match in the middle of the dugout <laughs> trying to figure out where we're going with the game plan. Have you ever felt uh, a little bit like uh, Kevin Costner's uh, character Crash Davis in uh, Bull Durham? Uh, you know, there's, there's, been, there's been certain times where I'm like, uh, you, know, you know what, dude, just throw whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you get him in the dugout and you're like, hey, if you listen to me, like, we'll, we'll figure this out. Like, I'm not a catcher that, you know, it's my game plan or nothing. I try to compromise, but if you're going to sit there and shake me off on the mound because you want to throw this one pitch that everyone knows you're going to throw, then we've got to figure out a better way to approach it. Yeah, yeah. use your head. So um, baseball is not necessarily a fast game for the fans, at least. I know there's times when it's really fast for you, but, but it's a really complex game. There's a lot going on that a lot of fans don't really understand. Can you think of one thing you wish the fans would understand about the game that they probably don't? Yes, there are a lot of wasted time there's the extra seconds in between pitches and blah, blah, blah. But this game now has evolved so much that sometimes that step back that a hitter takes, that it maybe will take an extra five seconds or, or 10 seconds, that is them showing exactly what they're being taught to do at a young age from the mental side of the game. You know, hey, take a step back, take a, take a breather and slow the game down. Because, I mean, you look at the game now and you look at the game five, 10 years ago, the average fastball now is like 95, 96, 97 miles an hour. You know, it's the game is speeding up on its own. So there are times where guys will take the, uh, their time to slow the game down and there are being rules implemented to not slow the game down. So I think we're just going to have to speed up the, the mental side of the game now when, you know, you're being taught to, you know, maybe gather your, your, your mental thoughts quicker. Switching gears a little bit, you were on the Washington Nationals team that won the World Series in 2019 after the team came back strong, you know, with a kind of a miserable record in May. And there was some real chemistry in the team that made that happen, right? What would you attribute that to? I mean, I'll give you um, kind of an inside story. So, yeah, we were, we were 19 and 31. 
our first 50 games. We, uh, at the time, we had the same record as, uh, I think it was like the Tigers, the Orioles. It was like another team that lost, ended up losing 100 games that year. Woof. There was a time we, uh, I think we, we lost a, a, a series where, you know, our team, it was a really good team. We had a, a bunch of high hopes coming in. And there was a meeting that happened in our clubhouse that it was really like, it, it was not sugar-coated in any way. So I'll try to like PG-13 that. Um, <laughs> it was really like, hey, we get it. We all suck. If you guys don't get it together, one, everyone's going to be fired. So all these guys that we're looking at, these uh, coaching staff that we love, you know, David Martinez, Bogar, you know, all of our, uh, Kevin Long, our hitting coaches, our pitching, but like, we, we love them all. They're all going to be fired because we stink right now. Two, everyone's going to be traded to none of this history that we thought we were going to have together because we were coming off of like a really fun spring training. We were having a really good time. So it was like, it, it was a very weird thing. And, and that's when like the, the conversations around our clubhouse started feeling like, man, like we really like, we really love each other. Like there's a really special thing here. You know, guys are, are, you know, are saying this, like, let's not let this pass by. And then that's where the, the motto go one and oh today started. Uh, and then as that, that trend like started going, we had some tremendous guys in our clubhouse. We had, I think, uh, I think that World Series was the two oldest teams in the league. I think we were either the oldest or, or yeah, I mean, one of us two, yeah, per average age on our, on our team. Even though we had one of the oldest guys on the league, and then we had the youngest guy in the league in Juan Soto. But um, it taught us to, to really just go one and oh, worry about what's in front of us right now, what's tomorrow, it's going to come. And that really changed our mindset. And we, we truly started, uh, started having a lot more fun, started really, truly playing for each other. And that's, that's the recipe for, our, for a winning ball club, really. You think that change in attitude kind of took the overall stress off of you could just focus, you know, focusing on just the one thing in front of you kind of gives you a different mental slash stress level. Exactly. Cause, um, so go, going into it, there was um, a lot of very high paid players, guys with a lot of uh, potential. And we and possibly they felt like that pressure was on them. You know, we had Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, uh, Pat Corbin, like we had a, a animal sketches. We had a very deep, started rotation. I mean, I think Max was having a pretty uh, a good year, but none of us were like reaching our potential. So when that conversation happened, it, it just took the focus from one player and just focused to the team. They say, you know, put your numbers aside. If we ended up winning, everyone's going to have a good year. I promise you. So then I just started like, you know, implementing one another and we started truly, it, it was, in, I'm sure Sandy, if you got to watch a lot of those games, like our, our dugout was a was a mess. Like, it was the most fun I've ever had in our dugout. Like, anytime you got in, like, you hit a home run. And we had, we had, we had Baby Shark. Uh, we had the whole hey, thing yeah. going on. With our, with our, uh, <laughs> yeah, as a fan, it was really something to behold. You know, I still got my finish the fight, you know, t-shirt, you know, all that exactly. kind of stuff. But, yeah. But it was, uh, it, you know, we just kept believing in this team and it, it, uh, it was remarkable to watch it come back. And as we were talking before we started uh, recording, feels a lot like it looks like in the Phillies dugout, maybe not as powerful in the Phillies dugout, you know, just looking at how they handle a home run, for example, versus how you all did, but pretty amazing to watch. Now, now you were behind the dish for um, some really good pitching uh, during that series uh, among, you know, other members of the, of the Nationals pitching staff. You had Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg, who was obviously the MVP of the series. They seem like very different people. You know, Max is like, you know, 
growling out there on the mound. He's, he's stalking around and all that kind of stuff. And Steven's, Steve's a little more controlled than cerebral, but they're both awesome. So can you compare the personalities and how that translates into, uh, you know, getting hitters out? I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, they're both, um, you're dealing with Max, you're dealing with a guy that is, um, you just have to try to match his intensity. Like you, you really, you have to come out of your shell and you have to like, you're barking at a barking dog is what's happening. Like, you, you know, he's getting at you, you're yelling right back at him. I love it. <laughs> but with Max, the preparation, well, actually uh, with both, their, their preparation kind of goes with what we were talking about, the young, the rookie and the veteran. Their preparation was above and beyond the best things that I've ever seen, which goes to show you why they're you no know, elite pitchers. Max was very detailed in exactly what he wanted to do. His meetings were very detailed. We we really got, you know, from pitch one to pitch whatever, like I had to remember this. Uh, I wish I had this kind of memory when I was in school. I think I would have been a better student. But for me, it's uh, Steven has like, in, a, in baseball terms, like he's nastier. His pitches look different. His curveball is one of the best curveballs in the game. His changeup is one of the best curve, uh, uh, changes in the game. You just have to figure out how to manipulate those pitches. And Steven is very methodical. He, he needs to feel the right way. You need to sequence things the right way with him. Even though I could just put throw a number down, and it's going to be nasty. Who cares? No one's going to hit it anyway. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Max, on the other hand, had, had the intimidation factor as you're facing him. You know, you're looking at him and, you know, he's got two different colored eyes and he's drooling at the mount. And, <laughs> like, he's, I'm sure you've seen plenty of videos. He's, yeah. you know, cursing up a storm on the mound. And, and, that's, and then I've gotten to face Max when he was in Detroit for a while. And I remember I just faced him this year and I was like, don't stare at him. Don't look at him. He, I know he's, what he's going to be doing. Don't look at him. <laughs> And he's looking right back. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, you know he's like you know, lasering in on you. I have to ask, you know, the lat you caught the last pitch of the 2019 World Series when Daniel Hudson struck out Michael Brantley, of course, at the Astros. How did that feel knowing that it was over and you won? And that's like the ultimate that you can do in your sport. So throughout the whole playoffs, every game, like we did not make things easier for ourselves. <laughs> I think we we really, you know, that whole season, really, we, uh, I think we, we had five different uh, elimination games that we had to overcome. So there goes the, the, the stay in the fight, no motto, the go one and oh, and then our celebrations in between those were like, we cannot believe we're doing this. You know, it was the first time the, the nationals had advanced to the NLDS. It's like, and then the NLCS. So then next thing you know, you're like, oh my goodness, we're in the World Series. You know, we're all still having a good time. And a funny story, as that game is going on, there's a lot of uh, uh, big moments in that game. You know, how the Kendrick's home runs. Uh, off the foul pole. Off the foul pole. I mean. And it was dead silent in that stadium. And you could hear it gong against the foul pole. It was amazing. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the dugout because we were, I think, so we were down three, one, I think, uh, I, I, I should have known this, but I think we, are, we went up one or two runs and then we ended up piling in a couple more runs. And I just remember sitting in the dugout kind of like, we just celebrated. And I'm like, kind of in the days, I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to finish this game now. Like, this is it. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm grabbing all my notes and I'm like, we got to, we got to finish this now. And then it's the ninth inning, you know, why not? We get the, the heart of their lineup. Like, why, why wouldn't it finish it this way? 
Daniel Hudson, who's a, an unbelievable part of our team that year, we're like, we just got to keep going, throw a strike, pitch one, strike one. And as it's going, so now we have two outs. We, you know, we just struck out um, uh, Jose Altuve. I remember the umpire comes like right next to me, right in my ear. And he's like, you got this, man. I can't guess you're going to do it. <laughs> oh and my I, gosh. I, I literally, I literally remember this. And I turned around and I'm like, just shut up and sit down. Like, you're, <laughs> just call the pitches. Like, yeah. I love it. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I was just like, that's weird. It's like, dude, don't distract me. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was a, it, it was an unbelievable moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go even deeper, deeper yeah. into the, the parts of the games that, cause like, like you said, like the, these, these games that all reverts back to what you've worked for and why you do what you do. Now you're in the biggest stage. Your adrenaline is pumping out of the roof, but the preparation that we put in, it's really hard to explain how we were all able, I know myself, to think clearly. It, it was um, a very interesting uh, moment, uh, which has kind of changed the way I uh, view the game and see the game from that moment on. And I ended up putting the ball in my pocket. And next thing you know, uh, uh, we're, we're jumping up and down. And it was just like a, the wrong thing to say is that the celebration was less. Because it wasn't, it was nowhere near less. It, but it was just like a, it was just a different type of celebration. No, now, now we're looking at each other in like your World Series champion. You're a World Series champion. So it was, um, it was a moment where, you know, we had a guy like Ryan Zimmerman who's been with this organization, with the Nationals for, shoot, as long as the Nationals have been there. He was a rookie, yeah. Exactly. Watching the, um, the look in his eyes when he's like, I can't believe it. Like, we've done it. You know, we're all grown men and we're all in tears. It even gives me goosebumps to even think about it because uh, I remember those moments like it was yesterday. So did you get to keep the ball that you put in your pocket? I think Sandy knows that answer, right? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I do have that ball. And it's not for sale. Oh, uh, yeah. no. Water is the ultimate health drink. With Culligan's filtration systems, you'll get the superior quality and pure-tasting, ultra-refreshing hydration you can count on to power your performance. Culligan's smart reverse osmosis systems take it to the next level, helping you set hydration goals, track how much you're drinking, and even see what contaminants are reduced in your water. That means you're always getting the exceptional water you need to feel truly good inside and out, ready to face the day, whatever challenges it brings. Learn more at Culligan.com. So you mentioned uh, umpires a minute ago. Uh, you, you interact with an umpire in a couple of ways, right? Both as a catcher and a hitter. I have to ask, you know, what do you say when you walk out with your gear on right after an ump punched you out on a strike call that you did not agree with? Of course, I'm sure that many of them you didn't agree with, but sure. how does that feel? I well, just move on to the next, next uh, deal, right? Yes, I um, somewhat mastered the, the short-term memory. The way I've like tried to like go about this game has, you know, has changed periodically, or not periodically, but like just every year is that it's changed. And um, I treat umpires like they're humans. As, as they are there, you know, it's, it's almost like treating like our bullpen and our starters. Everybody's different. So you kind of like have to, to have a conversation with somebody you to, you need to, to understand who they are. You know, I can't just talk to you saying the same way I'm going to talk to Sandra. It's like, it, you know, those kind of things have to, you know, you have to learn who they are. And I've been fortunate enough to play this game for, for a while now. And there are some umpires where if they rig you up on a back call, 
you can't go over there and talk to them about it because they, they take it the wrong way. The same way as uh, somebody rings me up and I'll, I'll step back there and I'll just look at them and be like, dude, what the heck? Like, what, what is it? You know, like, but, um, I, I feel like I've, I've formed a, a relationship just based on, you know, treating them like human, you know, they're, they're going to make mistakes. They're trying to do their best. There are times where, um, me as a catcher, I will, I will lend a hand. I will, I will, I'll be like, Hey man, like those pitchers are like, I'm taking a look at them. I'm not like, trying to like really help them out. And I just, and then I'm not trying to like, you know, BS them because they, they get to look at their own videos. And there's some pitches like if I'm catching, you know, I'll, I'll take a look at it and I'll be like, Hey, I think that's a strike. I can give you a better look if I move a certain way. And you just try to help them out. Umpires appreciate that because you are trying to get them to not only be good for you and your pitcher, but really for the rest of your team. And you also kind of move your mid a little bit sometimes to try to influence the call, but that's a different art. No, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, you can't sneak anything by umpires anymore. So, uh, as much as you're trying to make balls look good, you just try to make strikes look strikes. And, you know, those close ones, you know, look like strikes as well. <laughs> so let's talk about hitting. Let's say if you fail only seven out of 10 times uh, in your entire career, you might end up in the Hall of Fame, right? So how about the risks you take as a batter? And, you know, you see it as a catcher, but I can't imagine what it must be like to hang in there with a, you know, Steven Strasburg curveball coming at you or a major league fastball thrown inside, you know, chin music. You're standing up there with this object being basically thrown at you. <laughs> How does that feel? You, there's risk there too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, there's risk every day um, when you step on the field, uh, whether you're playing, you know, like you, we already talked about catching, when you're playing defense, you're, especially now like you're hitting, you're supposed to protect yourself with a bat and then you have a, a tiny little helmet on and that's it. Um, and guys, like I said, are throwing harder and harder every day. But um, I think uh, as the game evolves, the beauty of baseball and baseball players is that we evolve as well. I can tell you when I first came up, there was no chance I could hit 100 miles an hour. Now you're seeing it every day. So 100 miles an hour, it's still really fast. But we've been able to slow the game down and been able to slow down 100 miles an hour. The seven out of 10 times, I, I mean... As long as you're putting up good at bats, you're you're doing your thing for your team. Me as a catcher, uh, I was taught at an early, early age when I was in Cleveland from Tito, from Terry Francona, that um, your job is to to lead a team. Your job is to to control the running game, could, uh, control the game, uh, be a good game manager. Manager, if you uh, get extra hits, that's an extra for us. So just do your thing, and I've I've, I've really taken that to heart. Um, not to give myself an excuse for being an average hitter or maybe below average hitter, but it's definitely taken a little bit of the pressure from being, you know, oh, no, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. So how much do you think being behind the plate helps you with the hitter side? Does he think that helps at all or not? Because you can kind of know the psychology of it all being a catcher, right? That's a very frequent asked question because there's sometimes, so it actually, it can help you and it can hurt you. Because at the same time, you're taking guesses. You're taking guesses of what they're going to throw. But then a lot of times I do feel a trend of where the game's going. And I'm like, all right, he's going to have to show me a certain pitch, you know, at some point. Then I will, I will, you know, take advantage of that and, and jump on a pitch and understand that like, okay, he's got to throw a strike here. So let me be more aggressive. But then there's at the same time where I'm trying to call a game against myself to get <laughs> myself out. 
<laughs> That's what that five can, seconds is for over, when you back out of the back. Yeah, you go, you over, <laughs> overanalyze it. Overanalyzing exactly. is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's always been just do what you do. Just put the game in autopilot. You've done all the work that you've done before the game. Don't try to make an adjust, not so much an adjustment, but like a, like try to switch something with your hitting because what, like you, you can't do that stuff during a game. Um, there are guys that are able to, I'm not able to, as long as um, my mind's clear, my, I'm on time to hit the ball. I think there's a good chance of uh, at least be putting the ball in play. So Jan, there's, there's a lot of crazy uh, superstitions and, and weird practices in baseball. I mean, you watch some of these guys walk up to the plate and they're doing some kind of funky <laughs> jig and it's exactly the same every time they get to the plate. It's like, every okay. Time. But so, so uh, we like to ask our guests and I, I think asking a baseball player, this is like the best person to ask this question. And that is, do you have any sort of pregame rituals you go through or pre-batter's box rituals or anything that you do, you know, kind of as part of your approach to the game? It's not a superstition as much as it is a routine. So I hate, I don't, I don't want to say I hate the word superstition because how many times there's a rain out during a game and, you know, some of those things don't happen. So if you can't put those, you know, you're, you're out of luck. Like, you know, you, you have to create routine and I definitely have a routine. I come up for the play and I like to measure myself out. I try to, but again, we're trying to make it quicker. I try to measure myself out and then draw a line because I want my, my stride to be straight. It's not to say that if I don't draw that line, because there's a lot of times where I draw the line, my cleats are, and they're all crooked. So um, for a pregame thing, I'm a very early guy. I like to make sure that I have everything done very early. So yes, I will take a second and be really frustrated if something goes on and I'm like in a rush. I, that, those are the things that I can, because as a catcher, so from a seven o'clock game, I'm getting ready you know, 5.30 to just to go out and warm up a pitcher. I have to get out there earlier than most guys early as a pitcher. So I have to uh, make sure that I have everything set. And I do want, I do like to, you know, take my time, whether I go and sit out in the bullpen, you know, just take a second to just absorb what's happening. Thank God again for, for every opportunity that I've gotten in this game. I just clear my head and, and, and get ready for, you know, another game. Well, uh, you know, it was a remarkable year in 2019 and, and we in Washington as fans uh, were really, really happy when you came to the team. And, and frankly, we were very sad when you left, but it's baseball, right? It is what it is. You had a, you had a really good uh, partnership, I think, with Kurt Suzuki that year, uh, who, who I've met and think the world of. And, and you know, it was, it's really neat to be able to talk to you today about some of those experiences you've had. I mean, you were like the number one guy in terms of baseball players that I wanted to bring onto the show just because of your experience with, with Washington and, and your, your uh, reputation. So thanks for uh, taking time out of your offseason. We wish the best for you next year with the Cubs, right? Unless weird things happen and you get traded, you never know. But uh, you're probably a bedrock of that organization right now. But thanks so much for joining us today. It's been really Thank cool. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Well, get, thank you guys. This was, a, this was an honor to do. Uh, I, I've i gotten to listen to some of the podcasts and I, I truly enjoy what you guys are doing. So thank you. No, oh, thanks. We're enjoying it too. Just having all these amazing conversations with people. It's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you guys. That was Chicago Cubs catcher and 2019 World Series champion Jan Gomes. I'm Sandra Magnus. And I'm Sandy Winnefeld. Thanks again to Culligan Water for sponsoring this episode. Your life is about taking risks. Your water shouldn't be. Learn more at Culligan.com. 
And check us out on social media, including our videos of our interview with Jan on TikTok. Our handle is very simple, at The Adrenaline Zone.